Welcome to Radiant Roots. I'm your host, Melissa, where we dig deep, grow strong, and explore the interconnected stories that make up the vibrant tapestry of our lives. Every week, we're going to dig deeper into a new episode where we discuss a multitude of different things. We will also have special guests to come on and explore their talents, their unique gifts, and how they are helping unite and connect the community throughout the world. Welcome to Radiant Roots. Hey, my loves. Today on episode 14, we are going to be talking about finding peace and moving mountains with anxiety and worry. I am really, really excited to talk about this topic because I don't know if you guys know, but about 10 years ago, I was actually diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety, and definitely having panic attacks. Um, that was a very rocky time in my life, and not just because there was a lot going on, <laughs> but because I was discovering and rediscovering and unlearning and relearning and y'all it was a lot and so let's get into this topic for sure so for our question today i want to know how has jesus or your spirituality positively impact your life and how do you bring that out to other people for me Jesus impacts my life in every single way, every single day, every single night. I don't remember one time he has not impacted my life um, because I would not have been here. Um, I am someone that has, hmm, <clears throat> never share this out loud publicly with people. Oh. I am someone who has attempted I'm gonna leave it at that if you know you know but I am someone who has attempted a few times um method prescription pills or pills in general and I know myself and I know that if it wasn't for the impact Jesus has and has had in my life, those would have been successful. And the reason why they weren't successful is because God always showed me that I am my biggest adversary, one, but he is my biggest cheerleader. And that will always trump being someone's enemy. And so learning that about myself and figuring figuring that part out about me and really just digging deeper into my spirituality I realized that a lot of what I knew of about God of God of him and I'm speaking as like 10 years ago um more than 10 years ago at that point in my spiritual journey with Jesus and God um 
that spirituality is way more than what people just say. It's way more than just being in a congregation of people or surrounded by a congregation of people. It's more than just um, stating that you go to church or being baptized. It really is a personal walk with God. And that, you know, having gifts, having spiritual gifts, having the gift of discernment or being a seer or an empath and all of these things, those are impactful. Those are common. All of the folks in the Bible had gifts. Um, and just, you know, really just realizing that the journey that you have with God is personal for a reason. No one can guide you to that journey. And um, I started seeing that God has always had an impact. He has always had a hand in my life. And um, I definitely needed to see that. But I also also realized that my impact, the impact that Jesus was having on myself subconsciously was I was able to see that impact and pour that into others. And what I mean by is like doing things like this. Since I was 13, I was a mentor, mentoring young ladies at my local library with a um, program called Girl Chat. We was funded by the library. And so from there, I, I mentored over 100 girls from the ages of 13 to 16, um, over 100, 100 girls. Not even 13 to 16. What was that one? From 13 to 18, because I stopped when I graduated high school. And when I say I did not realize at how what that meant. You know, I'm just thinking, it's just like, you know, it's an area for, for young ladies to just come, vent, talk about what's happening in school or life or the hood. You know, like just come together and have community. We didn't have that. There wasn't a lot of influential or positive older women in the community. And so my mom would always say, if there's, if there's no one that's not doing this because we're waiting for you to do it. And so I did it. And... My point is, is, I didn't realize how my impact, the impact in my life, was also impacting others. And I was able to f use my tragedies as gifts and as testimonies. And God always says that your story is someone else's testimony. You may not look at your story as a testimony yet, but it is one. And there's a lot of maturity and growth that comes with seeing every single experience that you have as a testimony. And that's just where I am or how, where I've been in life. And so I want to know what that question is for you guys. How do you, how do you bring that out to other people? How has the impact Jesus has made in your life been impactful for others as well? And so, as I stated earlier, I had attempted multiple times using the method of medication, and I was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Um, I was suffering through sexual abuse since the age of six at the hands of a cousin of mine. Um, I don't claim that cousin anymore, of course, but... 
experiencing that trauma at such a young age, I I was quickly spiraling because I was in, engulfed in so much love on my mom's side of the family that when I interacted with my dad's side of the family, I immediately knew that this wasn't right, that this is not how it's supposed to feel because when I'm with my mom's side of the family, I feel love. I feel warm and like I never want to let this go and like life is just perfect here and this is just what we need and as soon as we got back on that plane from Fort Lauderdale Airport to go back to LaGuardia Airport, the despair and the tears and the pain and that sorrow feeling quickly appeared and I just knew that this was not right. That just was not normal to feel like that at such a young age too. Why did I know that feeling? How did I know that feeling? And from the ages of 6 to 12, I was sexually abused and molested. Once again, at the hands of this cousin on my dad's side of the family. And it's not that I'm saving face for him, because F him forever. But um, I don't have the space to name him. His name starts with a G. (laughs) I ain't scared of him or that side of the family, because... Like I said, for him, them too. Um, but like I said, I just I don't have the space to engage in people who molest young children, <laughs> pedophiles. Let me name them pedophiles. I don't have I don't have the space for pedophiles on my platform, and so I won't be giving him a space neither anymore. I gave him plenty of space in my life. I, I refuse now. And so, when I got diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety, the abuse did not stop. So, I mentioned from 6 to 12, I was being sexually molested and abused. And I could not fathom why it was happening. And so, I never told anyone. I... um. I was really scared and not scared of like what would be done to me, but scared of what would happen to my mother. We, we, we were experiencing some legal issues. Let's just say we came from Haiti. We were both immigrants. As I've mentioned before, I was born and raised in Haiti. So I came here with my mom and yeah, you know, legally, <laughs> there were some issues. And my mom, being the tourist that she is, would always let it be known that she will happily go to jail for us. And I mentioned to parents that I love that statement. And that statement has, it, it shows a lot of strength that you would you would do anything for your kids and that you love them and that you make sure that they understand and everybody around them understand that you will die for them. I'm finna go to jail for you. I, yeah, kids take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Very seriously. And um, not just that kids take that seriously, but when you have a bookworm of a kid, 
And I had access back then, you know, about to tell my age, but I had access to the entire encyclopedia and dictionary. And so when I'm looking up certain words or I'm, I come across certain phrases and I'm like, hmm, this kind of goes with what I'm experiencing in real life or this and that. And, you know, of course, where you hear news about ICE and deportation and this and that, people getting sent back to their countries, wherever it was. I was I was rightfully scared. Like, they're going to take my mom. And if they take my mom, that means I got to stay with my dad. And if I got to stay with my dad, that means I, that I'm literally at the hands of the abuser. I'm literally going to be placed into the care of the molester. Let me shut my 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 mouth <laughs> and let me fight to prove to my mom that I at 10 or 11 can take care of myself and watch my younger sister because I can watch us better than the people that have been watching us because I won't molest my sister. <laughs> I won't sexually abuse my sister. And so, um, that's exactly what I did from the fifth grade, which is about like nine and 10. I fought to make sure that I had a record of being punctual, always taking care of my sister, making sure that I, my mom sought me, helping her with her homework or any work that she needed, that she saw that I was able to, you know, come home and lock the door and listen and follow directions and stuff. And, you know, the day finally came where I got my own keys. And um, that's the day the abuse stopped. <sighs> and it was also the day another form of abuse started. Which, um, as some people may know, if you've experienced any of this, you become very hypersexual, of course, because your sexuality and your innocence is perverted at such a young age that um, you begin to believe that this that is how love should be formatted, and this is how you gain gratification and confirmation and love and affection from the other sex, right? Because I never had that from my father. And I never understood what that looked like other than for my mom. And But, you know, as a young, growing teen, I had already started my menstrual cycle at nine. So as a hormonal growing teen at that, I really, really didn't understand how it went from this, this doesn't feel right, this hurts, to I want to feel that again. And it was a very interesting time for me because I then st started to feel like maybe I enjoyed being abused. You know, and then obviously that's, the internet was already out and about. Um, you know, we had our dial up and stuff and I, I couldn't necessarily look up what I wanted to look up because I didn't know the term for it. But I did see that there were things called kinks and fetishes and stuff um, because I wanted to know, is it possible to like something wrong happening to you, you know? And it is, you know, that is a kink to like 
people torturing you or people punishing you and stuff like that. You know, those are kinks. And um, and so I thought, you know, at such a young age, mind you, I'm 12, 13, looking up kinks and trying to, trying to put a name to what was wrong with me, you know, because I felt like something was wrong with me because why am I feeling like this? Why do I want to f- feel like that again? Um, and for years it ate at me and it ate at me and it ate at me and it, and that brought my anxiety to a point where I was having panic attacks four times a week. I could not, I was not able to go to school because I could, I literally could not travel. I could not make the travel to school and it was horrible. Um, I was just, I was just hanging around the wrong people. I just stuff was happening and so me mentoring at my library um, happened by accident because I was cutting school and being at my library because I'm a book nerd and bookworm and if there was any way you were going to find me it's Barnes and Nobles and my library but I had figured why travel all the way into the city to go to Barnes and Nobles where I had a library right downstairs and the books is free duh (laughs) and so that's what I did I woke up went to you know acted like I went to school but I stayed at the library all day until the library opened and closed and the library closed at seven and so I was there from practically 12 hours a day every day and um so I said why not just work here and that's what I did (laughs) and I had to understand you know once I got older, about in my mid-twenties, what Jesus was teaching me, what was happening, what was my lessons during that time, because I didn't understand the lessons, and it didn't happen until maybe 21, 22, definitely by 23, I had encompassed what the lesson was, by 25, I had forgiven everything and everyone But most importantly, I had forgiven myself for assuming that that the lesson that I had learned from all of my experience was to teach me. You know, like I was I I had went through that because I needed to be taught, which is not true, not true at all. Um, I wasn't I didn't experience abuse because I needed to be taught something. And that was what I had been believing for so long that. Jesus made me go through this. God made me go through this because no, no six-year-old, no five-year-old needs to go through that to learn something. What did I do? I didn't need to learn anything. I didn't know anything. So this couldn't, this can't be how I need to learn things. However, what God did know is that I was going to be able to pull it through. I was going to be able to make it on the other side. And so he knew that with the terrible ugliness that I had experienced that I was going to be able to pull a lesson out of it and that is what the journey is about the journey is not looking at the things that God um that God has you know allowed to plan in your life those aren't in you know 
all intentional lessons like yeah let's make them go through death and accidents and despair and and near near um hallucinations and craziness and then say yes my child this is your greatest lesson we did this to you you know granted they did that to job you know there was an active lesson there for job but um that's not that's that was a that was a very rare thing that happened um something that does not happen often or did not happen you know god and and lucifer just openly battling like that was like an open rap battle that happened with job honestly <laughs> and it was a ruthless one let's just say if you have not read job's story please do if you think you got it bad no you don't <laughs> look at job okay that man lost everything literally everything he had leprosy cysts boils scarring bleeding all over his body head to toe he cannot go anywhere. He cannot be touched, be seen. He cannot eat, drink. Everything hurt from head to toe. His wife died. All of his kids died. I think he had six of them. His land hit famine. All of his animals died. Everything was taken from him. And because of that, he was led into isolation, depression, despair, anxiety. His friends would come over and basically make him feel even worse about his situation. Because, <laughs> of course... They would basically tell him, curse God. He's the one that made you this way. Why are you still faithful to him? You crazy. And which made him question God. And God was like, yeah, you crazy. You know the only reason why you ain't dead is because of me. <laughs> huh? This, the devil tried to take you out. I told him, spare you. So he took everything else out. But you still here. You're still here. We're still here. I'm still here, y'all. I was not supposed to be here. I'm still here. That is a walking miracle. And that's why I say God has more impact than I could ever imagine. Because if it was up to me, I would have uh, control all, deleted myself a long time ago. Okay. I know a lot of people that would have... Uh, Control all escaped. <laughs> like escape, escape now. I need it happening this second. And I can laugh about these moments now, but it's because I I know the journey I walked through. It was treacherous. This is the journey that our, our Caribbean and <laughs> African and Asian parents would tell us that they walked to just get to school. <laughs> this is that journey, you know, over three miles over the mountains barefoot walking over grass and mud having to cross the river battle the alligators and the lakes and that's that that's this journey and i also had to understand that i'm not the only one that went through this and i'm not the only one that's going to experience this but what can i do to ensure that other young people don't go through these things you know the bible shows us so many stories of people who experienced this. I mean, Jonah. Jonah literally was fleeing for his life. He had to show God's people that they weren't living a good life. 
that they were straying further and further and further away from God's words and his teachings. And in him doing that, he had a bounty on his head. I mean, he was he was literally John Wick at the moment, but not comfortably. He hid in a cave and was begging God to kill him. Begging God. Begging! Like literally crying and pleading, like, please, just take me out. Starving, hiding away in the wilderness. I think they said for years. I forgot how long, I think. But it was a long time he was hiding. Just undercover. Not living his own life. You know, looking over his shoulder every second he can get. And God said, go to sleep. (laughs) God literally said, Jonah, go to sleep, bro. You over here having anxiety, bringing panic attacks to yourself. You depressed. You losing your hair. You losing your weight. You skinny. You look crazy, Jonah. Go to sleep, bro. Go to sleep. You doing a little too much. Go to sleep. And Jonah did. And when he woke up, he was like, oh, I need to go. Yeah, I need to go. I'm so scared of what's to come. I didn't realize that God always had my back. The only reason why I'm where I'm, where I'm at is because of him. Because I could I should have been gone a long time ago. Let's talk about that. Most of the... The place where we, where we are right now, the only reason why we are even alive to be where we are is because of God. But then we get scared. We are a walking testimony. The only reason why we're able to even say you can be scared is because God has shown you that he, you got adversaries. You got actual people who want to take you out. And you didn't realize it. You didn't realize your strength. You didn't realize the power that you had because you masked it under anxiety and being worried. And sometimes that can be, being blind can be a great thing for us, you know, just like Saul, Paul. (laughs) Being blind was beneficial for him. It made him realize what he was doing, who he really was, the monster he really was. He needed to be pushed all the way down to humility, to be shown, you are nothing without me. And we need to be shown that, that we lack without God. I openly can say I lack without God, because like I said, uh, attempted multiple times, multiple times from the age of 11, multiple times. And so, to to know in a 10-year span, I had attempted to end it at least five times is heartbreaking. But I also understood that, or understand that, like I said, I'm not the only one. The wheel wasn't, the wheel wasn't a new invention. It was just a different one. My my life, my journey isn't a new life. It's just a different one. You know? Noah experienced the same thing. Sarah had experienced the same thing. Abraham, David, Daniel. All of these, 
you know, all of these people had ex- experienced the same thing. Joshua had experienced the same thing. And that, I just realized, I said Jonah. I met Joshua. Jonah was definitely stubborn too. Um, similar story as well, but he wasn't being chased by people. That was the Joshua, <laughs> for sure. Um, but all of these people, even Jonah's story, you know, running away from what he needed to do, escaping, you know, trying not to, to be amongst people who are known to to be thugs and gangsters and, you know, mobsters and stuff. He didn't want to be around that people. He didn't want to be in the mix. So he fled the scene and then he got eaten by a giant fish-like animal. And, you know, they say whale, but I, I suspect it wasn't a whale. Because let's just say, let's just be honest, we have not discovered our entire sea. So, there's scorpions who can grow eight feet tall, eight feet long, I mean. It did not necessarily have to be a whale, okay? (laughs) And so, there's so many people who have had these experiences. So, I cannot be the only one to have asked God to take away this anxiety, take away this pain, take away this suffering. I'm not. And so why why do I make myself feel like I am? Why do I put myself in a position to to make it seem like I am the only one that's ever experienced that? And it's because most of the time, especially in the Western world, we are taught that having a nuclear family is the way to do it. I'm Haitian. I grew up on a, a compound. My family has acres and acres of farmland. We grow our own Everything. We was making my mule, selling them. We was making rice and selling them. We was making mai, making everything, selling them. Making momba, selling them. We were farmers, business owners. We had a community. If you if you didn't have something, you went down to your neighbor and they had it. If you didn't, you know, if you needed this, you there was someone there for you. Someone to share the stories like, girl, I went through that. Piti. I went through that. I experienced this. This is how I did it. But then you come to another country, especially in America, where no one talks about anything. Everyone makes it seem like, oh, you on your own. Oh, I ain't never experienced that. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, you bugging. Yeah, you you the only one. Nah, it's just you. Is it really? No. Everyone is struggling. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs love. Everyone needs someone to talk to. Everyone feels alone. Everyone feels isolated. Everyone feels crazy. Everyone feels like they're doing too much. Everyone feels... Everyone is or has felt what you're feeling. And I want you to know that God knows that. And he is trying to take that feeling away from you. But you have to actually want to let that feeling go. I, at one point... Though God was, he and he fought very hard for me not to make that a personality trait. But I'm pretty sure we know people who use their trauma as a personality trait. Like, yeah, I'm an Aries. I like to bully people. No, you're traumatized. Oh, yeah, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm a bitch. Or I'm just like that. I just got to be honest. I'm just an honest person. People can't accept my honesty. No, you're mean. You're a meanie. You're a mean girl, mean guy. You're a bully. You're insufferable, intolerable. Nobody likes you. You don't know how to speak to people. You're rude. (laughs) 
that's who you are. Okay? And and if you don't have someone to say, hey, Sispon, professor, don't do that. That's not how you speak to people. You're experiencing something. You need to talk about it. You need to open that up. You need to write it down. You need to get community. You need to find a mentor. You need to find a leader. You need to go to God. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need, no, if no one says that to you, how do you find out that there's a door right in front of you and you can walk out of the darkness that you are in? How? How do you do that? If everyone in the room with you, and they've been in the room for hundreds of years, Everybody in the room with you, they swearing to you, ain't no way out. I've been trying. Ain't no door, no last, there's no lock, there's nothing. We trapped, bro, we trapped. Don't even bother trying. Don't bother trying. We trapped. I've been here. My grandmama been here. Everybody been here. You nothing special. You not going to be the one to get us out. Ain't nothing here. This is it. This is what you was born into. This is all that you could be. This is all that you are. Why would you try? This is it. This is all you are. This is who you. But God is literally screaming into you. No, there is a door. Find it. Find it. Find it. And that's what I had to realize that I had to find it. And what were some practical steps for me to finding it and letting go? Is remembering or knowing, learning more so, learning. Learning that I wasn't the only one. Learning that isolation is truly the devil's biggest playground. That's what he wants us to do, is isolate ourselves. This is why God made us born into families. Even if the families are effed up, I've completely disbanded my father's side of the family with regards to a couple of people, literally a couple. But just because you are born into a family that you don't like doesn't mean that you can't find other family or that you can't have a redo. I found that, you know, blood can be created, blood, family can be created. It's not just people you're born, you know, blood relatives or anything. I have friends who have done more in my life than my father has. My husband, has done more for me, has seen more in my life. He's been to more graduations than my father has. Can you believe that? Can you believe my husband has celebrated my, my birthday more than my own father has? <laughs> you get to pick the people you want to be around, okay? And my father was someone else's pick. That was my mom's pick. So I don't have to pick like that. And my mom has openly told me, you don't have to choose like I did. You can be, you can choose your own life. Let your path be your path. Please do not follow me. Please don't let me be your example. Let God be your example. And I'm so thankful for her my, my, and her side of the family because they always let us know, like, please do not follow us. Take what we're doing with a grain of salt. Learn from our mistakes, but do not look at what we're doing as a path to follow. Look at it as a path to learn from, as a guide of what you can do and what, what it looks like when you do do it. <laughs> and, you know, I had to, that was, you know, one, realizing that I'm not alone. 
But then once I realized I wasn't alone, I had to, I had to be open in what I had experienced, the things that I had done, my, my, my overtly sexual past, my, my mean streak, <clears throat> my attempts of, you know, not being here, <clears throat> or multiple attempts of not being here, my crippling depression, my crippling anxiety and panic attacks, my worry, my stress. I needed to talk to someone. I needed to let people know what I was experiencing. And as soon as I let people know what I was experiencing, I realized that I was not the only one experiencing it. I realized that most of the people that I was talking to and that I was friends with also experienced the same thing. But funny enough, they looked to me as a beacon of inspiration, which was weird because I was looking to find someone to inspire me, yet I was, being, I was inspiring others, thinking that my mess, once again, I didn't realize my story was a testimony for someone else, for so many people. Which is why I started my, my brand and my podcast because I realized that I was helping so many people unintentionally. Just me being me, me just wanting to spread good love and, you know, good vibes to all. I did not understand that I was really teaching others. And once I realized that, my relationship with God grew and... I was, you know, reading his Sermon on the Mount and, you know, looking at Matthew 5, verse 7, but really all of Matthew 5, because it's such a powerful um, part of Matthew, but where, where Jesus says, happy are people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. And when I say between that and my favorite, my all-time favorite verse, Matthew 5, Matthew 5 verse 14 You are the you are the light not a light not some light not you are the light of the world a city on top of a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket instead they put it on top of a lampstand and it shines on all who is in the house in the same way let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your father who is in heaven lord when i say i did not realize how how much of that verse really resonated in my life until I saw a video, a VH, a VSH, a VHS, Lord, not me, a VHS tape, literally, such a throwback, of me in preschool holding a paper mache globe while students chanted around me saying, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And I didn't understand where that song came from. And that's one of my favorite songs. What? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. 
Oh my goodness. That is the verse of that song. Don't let Satan blow it out. Okay, I'm gonna let it shine. It cannot be hidden. It cannot be blown out. I am the light. Like you literally gonna have to off me to dim this light. And even then, you know what's so beautiful about a candle is that I can ignite other people. And so that means every single person I've ever come across, I've been able to light them up. I've been able to show them what it looks like to have experienced trauma and move forward from it. And, you know, besides find, you know, realizing who you are and then finding community, it's also ensuring that you continuously do that. This is not a one-stop shop. You do it and then it's like, oh, great, I'm healed, I'm fine. No, no, no. Those moments and those, those thoughts, those feelings will try to come back. And that's why you need a strong community. You need a group of people that will always be able to be there and, and monitor you and watch you and pray for you. And, you know, whenever those moments of depression or those moments of down come in, you know, they can bring you back into who you are and bring you bring the light back stronger. And that's just what the beautiful thing is. It's about being mindful and and very present into that aspect of living a full life. I really needed to understand that the life that I was living prior was not full. I was living a worldly life, <clears throat> which this world is full of decaying corpses and fleshes and people who are half dead. People who are literally working themselves to the bone. And that's not a flex. Life is about fullness. It's about love. And more than it just being about love, it's about understanding how your mind is so powerful and how it can create anxiety when there is, where there is no anxiety. Or it can create worry where there is no worry. These things are often created by our own fears, by, by the people that we are around, them inv invoking their own fears onto us, their own worries, their own insecurities and shortcomings. But we have to always remember that God is the only person that can tell us how our life is going to go and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And so granted, your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, whomever, someone could be telling you this isn't going to work for you, that you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. But if you feel strongly about it or you feel like in your heart, this is your path, this is what you should be doing, then it is really truly just naysayers. Only one person has the ability to let you know that what you're doing in your life is going to be something of goodness. And that's God and you. No one else can let you know that the path that you're on is a good path.
because it's your path. You can try to show everyone the path and demonstrate the path for them, but they cannot see the path because it is yours. And so they will never understand what it is exactly you are experiencing. But that that goes with mindfulness, being mindful, being aware of how your mind works, how your body works, how our brain works, and how God wants us to take control and take heap of how our brain works. He wasn't... He wasn't a fool when he made our brain be the most powerful tool in our body. So powerful enough that it will make it will make women forget about the 10 months of pregnancy, the maybe 24 hours of laboring to do it again so that we can keep populating the world. <laughs> our body, our brain will literally erase consciously erase trauma so that you don't feel it. But it will come up subconsciously because it can't completely tear it away and erase it. You experienced it, so it's locked in forever. But it will tuck it away, tie it, and try to pull it back like a Pandora's box. But this is why we have to be mindful and we, we should work with coaches or therapists. And if you're looking for a mindful coach, you can definitely um, look at the links in the podcast for more info on how I can help you guide you through your your mindfulness journey but it's it's realizing that God places people in our lives so that they can help us either grow or nurture our mindfulness that they can show us different paths now granted some people may say that you know everyone you know some people are in your life for a season and for a reason which is very true very very true but there's also some people who shouldn't have never been in our lives there's a lot of there's a lot of us, and I can only speak for myself, but I know anyone who's listening out there. There's a lot of people that you have in your life right now that should have never made it past saying hello to you. But you so nice that you wanted to be friends with somebody or you wanted to date somebody and you felt so bad or you you've thought so low of yourself that you allowed for this nincompoop to be so close in proximity to you that now you start to feel how they're feeling. And that's one thing about being mindful is realizing that our bodies are energies. We produce our own energy. And so when you produce your own energy, you become more mindful of the energies that you decide to be around. Because just as energy can emit, energy will absorb. And so whatever I'm putting out there I am going to receive as well. That is just how the law of nature works. You throw something, it's going to come back. It may not come back to you, but it's going to come back in some way. And so for me, I realized that finding community, talking to people, writing things down, having a podcast, helping, volunteering, those things really helped me practice mindfulness, doing Bible study, engaging with God, engaging with other like-minded individuals, truly, truly helped me realize that my mind is way more powerful than 
I even discovered it's more powerful than I thought it was. I really can create situations and scenarios in my mind, in my brain, and and my brain will will go through those emotions or those feelings as if I truly went through them. That is powerful. So when when I learn to harness the power of my mind and, and my own power, that's when I realized who God is and the work that God has put into all of our lives. And it was just so beautiful to see. He places all of these great things, especially things for free as well, like eating, eating healthy at that, nature's candies, fruits and vegetables, drinking water, being outside. I can't tell you how how peaceful it is to lay on the ground and cloud watch or sunbathe or moonbathe. Just being in the elements that he created truly does put your energy back into a wavelength of following nature. You start to feel calmer. You start to feel more at ease. All of these things are synchronicities. They make sense. They go together. And so when we try to fight that order of things, especially by becoming nuclear families and following capitalism and the patriarchy, you end up going against the exact nature of ourselves, then this is why so many Americans suffer with depression, anxiety, obesity, emotional eating, um, loneliness, isolation. It's because we're going against what we need to. And it's not our fault. This is what we were taught that we needed to do because the lone wolf, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You're the only one that can do it. That hustle mindset, it It's really a poor mindset. And when I say poor, I don't mean by wealth, but I mean poor as far as thought. It's not well thought out. It's not a strong plan or a strong mindset. It's a it's a scarcity mindset. It's a mindset of of someone who has to of someone who's living in the wilderness for forty years, awaiting promised land. That's that mindset. And we don't have to. Jesus has already died and risen again. We don't need to live that life. He's already forgiven everything. So the fact that we continue to live as if he has not forgiven everything is why we will sometimes continue. We we will all too. We will all continue to experience these things because there hasn't really been a big change. But if you are definitely looking for a journal or anything of that nature, I actually have a very dear and near friend who creates mindfulness journals. They are amazingly prompted journals, wonderfully written, where you can really have the space to nourish and fulfill your mind, to really just jot down your thoughts. Even if you don't want a journal necessarily, they are amazing spaces and places to just be able to have the freedom to doodle, to to just write maybe a poem or just what's going on in your mind. They're called Dear Beautiful and I will definitely link them in the podcast description. But I believe that all people should write. We should all use our muscles in our hands especially to to spread love and spread joy. More importantly, to the most important person ourselves. We deserve to treat ourselves well, 
to love on ourselves, to provide ourselves with clean and healthy foods, clean and healthy clothes like cotton and linen that balance out our energies and don't block it like nylon and synthetic fibers do, to being outside and enjoying the nature and the the earth that God has given and gifted to us, to accepting that being alone and being lonely are not the same, that being alone with God and your thoughts is is healthy for you. It's safe. It allows you to think and be clear in what you want and in your process. These things allow us to understand what Jesus was teaching us, why we needed to see and hear these teachings, why Philippians 4 verse 6 says to don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. There's a reason why God constantly is telling us, like in Ecclesiastics 10 verse 2, the mind of the wise tends to toward tends toward the right, but the mind of the fool toward the left. When we are looking for goodness, there's always going to be a certain path we end uh, we end up on that we notice, we see similar people. We see and, and you know that path, whether it's a good one or a bad one, you know when you've gotten on it. You know, things start to kind of go well for you. The people you're meeting are loving. They're of community. They want to help. They want to grow. You're learning more. You're being more loving, more open, more accepting, more in the presence of God. You're feeling the spirit of God. Versus when you're going left, you realize that you're having to fight more. You're having to bring your own table and chairs to an area that you know you you should hold a building for. You're having to bust down doors when there's doors open for you in other areas. You're having to fight to earn people's respects when there's people who already respect you. You're having to fight through gatekeepers when there's areas where there's no gates. That's how you know you've went left. When you're having to fight for something that God has already ordained for you. He has already given you the key and you have to fight with someone who doesn't even belong in the building that the key's not yours. Hi. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Oh heck no. And so, whew, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know, I know, I kind of ended it off a little abruptly, but my heart just felt super, super heavy because these are all topics that I never shared publicly with people who just weren't close friends. And I know that there's someone out there who's going to love and appreciate all that I just said because you didn't know that I was going through these things or that I had experienced these things. There's a beauty in sharing your story. There's a reason why shame is prevalent in BIPOC communities. Because when you are ashamed of what you experience, you withhold information, which means the other, the people behind you make the same mistakes. If you have never heard this advice before, listen to it. Those who do not learn from the past or learn from history are doomed to repeat it. If you have no ancestors, no grandmas, grandpas, uncles, moms, cousins, sisters, no one 
No one to say, hey, girl, mm-mm, I wouldn't walk down that path. There's some crazy oogly booglies over there. I would rather walk this path. It's well lit. The ground is nicely paved. It smells good. And there's no oogly mooglies. Wouldn't you listen? If you had people who were around you that told you, hey, I really wouldn't do that. Last time I did that, this is what happened to me. And granted, there are some people who purposely try to deter you from a certain path. But also, you know, that's when in mindfulness and learning through your anxiety, you realize that discernment was what your anxiety was trying to hide you from. Being able to discern people is what your anxiety was calling you away from. Because your anxiety is a calling. It's just the frequency is off. You are discerning things. Something in the area, something in that person, something in this event is a little shaky and unclear. But because you have so much fear, you're not able to discern what's really happening. And so you hide behind the anxiety and the worry and you never open the door. But God equipped you to go through the door, defeat it, and make it on the other side. And so, I want everyone to know that Matthew 5 verse 14 is your verse as well, even though I have claimed it for my own. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Okay? You cannot be hidden, shaded, blown out. Wiped out, distinguished. No one can hide you. Be proud of everything that you are. Because I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of myself too. Because we made it this far. We are 27. We're about to be 28. I should not have made it past 18. And here I am sharing my story to you. A story that others have deemed it was too nasty to even repeat. A story most would say is too ugly of a statistic for me to even want to say out loud because most other brown women experience the same thing. So why want to share yours? Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you embarrassed? But I tell them no. Because my Lord is far greater and far better than anyone can tell me. And shame has no place in my heart. I am praying for all of you. I pray that you are kind to one another and that you are kind to yourself and that you are loving every single person. Most importantly, you are loving yourself. I love you guys and I will see you on the next episode of Radiant Roots Podcast. Bye.